eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We have a podcast. Diving, diving deep. deep. Diving deep into all things Texas. Both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, John McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. All right, John, let's get to your general news and notes. We'll preview the, the Texans and the Colts more hardcore on, uh, on Thursday's episode. We'll get to the mailbag a little bit later on in this episode, mailbag at gmail.com if you want to send in a question. Uh, for a future mailbag, but John, fire away. General news and notes. Give give us some give us some numbers and stats and whatnot to make us sound smart at the water cooler. Speaking of Will Anderson Jr., because of his bad ankle, he took only twelve snaps against the Titans. He had two sacks and six pressures. And if he can play that Crazy. way in his last game at Indianapolis, whether he plays twelve snaps or twenty-two. It's a good chance he's going to win Defensive Rookie of the Year because Jalen Carter and the Eagles' defense and defensive line have dropped off the face of the earth. Devon Weatherspoon of Seattle is hurt, and Will's coming on strong. You know, it's strange because it's not that the Texans haven't played in primetime. They haven't even played in the late window, which is great for deadlines and those of us who want to – work after the game and then go home and watch the other games. But this one, Saturday night, they've got the entire national audience to watch them, and it's a great time, not just for C.J. Stroud, but other players, Nico Collins, Will Anderson Jr., Derek Stingley Jr., Mm -hmm. I hope Jonathan Greenard, as I keep hearing him pronounce, people hear Grenard, that he's able to come back and play and add some more money onto that new contract that's coming, but Will Anderson has got a great opportunity. Another thing, Sean, about him, he had seven sacks now, and it was very interesting that he broke the record that he shared with Whitney Merciless and Brooks Reed. Mm-hmm. Brooks played, and Wade Phillips is out three four 
and rushed a lot. And it was not J.J. Watt. It was not Mario Williams. J.J. had five and a half sacks as a rookie, and he did pretty well that second season with 20 and a half. And Mario had four and a half as a rookie. And then he turned around and had 14 as a sophomore. So there's time left in this season, but I can't wait with Will Anderson Jr. to see what he's going to do next season. Yeah, I, John, I'm with you. I think a couple things. <clears throat> One, boy, that would be something if Will Anderson came back to win the defensive rookie of the year. He was 16 to one last week, John, while he was out injured. And now I think the new odds this week, he's Jalen Carter's still the favorite, a pretty substantial favorite on the odds board. But I'm with you. This nationally televised game is a big opportunity for people to get a good look at Will Anderson. I think it's a good opportunity for people who are still critical of the trade to understand what Will Anderson means to that defense if they haven't had a chance to watch him play yet. I'm with you on the ascension of Will Anderson. It's very reminiscent of J.J. Watt. Like, J.J. started to figure some things out at the end of that rookie year, and come playoff time, he was the best defensive player on the field for the Texans in that postseason run against Cincinnati and against Baltimore. He was tremendous in both of those games. I think the game on Saturday, too, the prime time, I know you've got more notes to get to, but as long as we're talking about this aspect of it, I think it's a big opportunity for the the nation to see what Nick Casario's put together, too. Um, you know, the, the, the Texans get a lot of attention because of CJ Stroud. And I think Nick is one of the four, one of the front runners for GM or executive of the year because of what Stroud has done. And maybe to a lesser degree, Anderson, and certainly what the team has done, that the team is in the playoff hunt in week 18. But I think the chance to get to look at some of the little moves that Nick has made, the one year deals that he gave to guys like Dalton Schultz, Devin Singletary, see how important those guys are to the offense. If Laramie Tunsil can't play, you've got George Fant out there playing tackle who he picked up off the street. Um, Some of the moves that he's made since the trade deadline along the waiver wire, Derek Barnett has been a really valuable piece for this defense. Um, Kareem Jackson got 19 or 20 snaps in the game last week. Um, T.R. Tart got in the game and made a few plays against his former team. Um, So bringing Desmond King back has been huge. Desmond King played 80% of the snaps and played well, other than the 15-yard penalty, played really well against the Tennessee Titans. He's basically a starter because they play mostly nickel, and he's out there in nickel. So I I think it's a cool opportunity for people to kind of take a look at what Casario has done uh, this year specifically. You know, I think there's still a lot of questions about the draft last year. Watching, seeing Kyle Hamilton get named to a bunch of All-Pro teams at the end of the year hurts a little bit right now. With the they could have taken him with that pick that they took Kenyon Green with, but uh, but as far as like the moves this year that have affected this team, Nick's had a great season, and I think that'll be on display too. I saw a list on Monday from a national guy who had five candidates for executive of the year, and Casario wasn't on there. I hope it wasn't okay. an oversight because that's silly. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Uh, win it. And he was talking about Eric DaCosta, the Ravens, who's had his quarterback all year being a leader. And I didn't buy that at all. Also never forget right after the draft, another national guy who I should not mention because I know him and I don't want to embarrass him wrote that the Texans franchise has set themselves back 10 years by making this deal for Will Anderson Jr. and giving up their number one pick, leaving out that they have a number one pick from Cleveland. By the way, Texans should want the Browns to lose this game that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So it'll help their draft standing to get that first round pick. Anyway, not well, to real quick, of, too, real, real quick too, John, on that Cleveland draft thing. Sorry. They should hope that they face Cleveland in the playoffs too, for that other reason, where if they beat Cleveland, 
then that helps the Texans draft pick. You know what I mean? Like if the, the further Cleveland goes in the playoffs, the worse that pick gets because the playoff team's draft capital is all determined by how far you get in the postseason. So beating the Browns in the postseason makes that draft pick better too. Sorry. They like that, to be Jonathan. big fans of whoever goes up against the Browns in the playoffs yes. if it's not them. And speaking of sacks, Texas have had 14 in the last three games. That's more than anybody in the league. And they've tied their all-time record of 45 sacks set in 2015. So if they just get one against Gardner Minshew, they will set the team record. Hopefully they get a lot more than one. Yes, absolutely. And some other things, Sean, from Next Gen Stats and Pro Football Focus, this is not a surprise. Next Gen Stats, which is compiled by the NFL, the best thing that Texans do is stop the run. And run-stop win rate, they're second in the league. Mm -hmm. In run defense, they're tied for third right now. And their pass-rush win rate is third. So second against the run, third against the pass, not surprising. These next two won't be surprising either. Uh, their pass-block win rate is 10th in the NFL. And their run-block win, win rate is 20th. No surprise. All those stats line up with what we think of them from watching them, what they do best. I, you and know, I'll be honest. Yeah. And, and I, I would be real curious, John, like what was their run block win rate like a month ago? Because my guess is it's improved over that period. Oh, of every time. week they've, they've run the ball much better. The last three games, even the Cleveland game, they ran the ball. Okay. It's just that game got out of hand. You know, the game, the, the you, you had to throw the ball. Davis Mills came in and threw the ball 32 freaking times in the second half of that game. So um, yeah, I, I, uh, man, I hate to say this because my compass has been so off with the Texans over the last few months. When I feel good about how they're going to do, they perform poorly. When I feel nervous about how they're going to do, I would say the only the game – I was real nervous about the Jets game, but I was nervous. I thought they might lose a close game. I had no idea. I, I wouldn't have thought in a million years it was going to play out the way it did. So I am – I feel I feel optimistic about this game on Saturday night. Yeah, I don't. I don't. You don't? No, no. Okay. Okay. I wish I did, but but I felt I was nervous about the uh, Titans game. Yeah, I thought they might. And I'll tell you something else about the Titans and the Jaguars. For Texans purposes, they would want Ryan Tannehill to be the starting quarterback because he is he's trying to get an audition for a new job. Yeah. Plus, he's healthy. Will Levis is not. So if Tannehill is starting against the Jaguars, I think it gives them a better chance to pull an upset. And looking at pro football focuses grades for this past game, and you mentioned George Fant yeah. when he replaced Laramie Tunsil had a groin injury. And in this last game, if you can walk, you got to play. You got to be all hands on deck. And it doesn't matter if you can't play but five plays. Every body's got to be in if they can be. Tunsil, of course, is their best lineman. His pass blocking was graded 84.7. His run blocking was 75 Point two, both number okay. one. Juice Scruggs, according to Pro Football Focus, had his best game as a pass blocker, 82-5. Wow, Michael okay. Dieter, another Nick Casario pickup who didn't even play at a position for the Dolphins last year and has now been the, has been their fourth starter going back to losing Scott Quisenberry. Dieter was 78.6 in pass protection. Shaq Mason, 74-3. Charlie Heck, 73-8. And yeah. this is, we know, we don't need to hear see these stats. They're much better pass protection 
than they are at run blocking. Tunsil was 75-2, Scruggs 59-8, Shaq 66-5, Dieter 50.8, and Charlie Heck 41.6. And and Fant was 75-5 on pass blocking and 53-7 on run blocking. But we know they're better at pass protection than they are at run blocking, and that bears out every week. We we should, John, next time we use pro football focus, we should lay out for people because not, not everybody knows how pro football focus works. Those grades that you're saying, those numbers that you're talking about, the best way to look at that is like you're getting graded in a college course. You know, if you have something that's up in – if you're in the 90s, you're excellent. If you're in the 80s, you're really, really good. 70s, okay. I mean, my dad probably would have gotten mad if I had all 75s back in college. But 75, you know, in the 70s is sort of a B on pro football focus. And then you start to get into the 60s. If you're in the 50s and 40s, man, you, you're on you're on like Charlie probation. Yeah, Charlie Hex run blocking. You can probably hear me. He's right there. His, his place is – over Maybe there, whisper. Yeah, yeah. Like he's he lives right below me, so I got to be careful. But uh, turn up all three TVs at the same time. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, um, yeah, but their pass blocking was good. It was by far. I looked at the the team pro football focus grades week to week for the Texans. I think Patrick Storm posted those, and it was by far as a team their best week pass blocking at the perfect time. You know, against a team they struggled pass blocking against two weeks ago up in Tennessee mostly because of Juice Scruggs, which is why I loved hearing that 82 for Juice Scruggs. You know, the fact that it was against the same personnel and team that he struggled against two weeks ago gives me a lot of optimism about him going into year two, that this is a guy who picks things up quickly and he doesn't make a lot of mistakes over and over again. That's really, really good. As a line, they were 85.3 blocking, uh, pass blocking last hey, week. That's as, a, as a unit, yeah, it's really good. It was by far their best performance since that stretch early in the year where they didn't give up a sack for a few weeks in a row. Um, so that's great. You got any more notes, oh, one John? more. Okay. Texans are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, tied for third against the run after being last by long shot last year, 170 yards a game. They're giving up 88.5. This is the first time since 2018 when they were 11 and five, one AFC South lost to Indy in the playoffs. Yeah. And that was when Romeo Cornell was defensive coordinator that they've been in the eighties. But if you, if you take it up, uh, let's see, over let's see, they played 16 games. For the last mm-hmm. 14 games, they're averaging 79. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah. So they've been great. So I can't wait to see. They're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor, who just hammered them two years ago. He was hurt last year. Right. Killed him. He's yeah. going to see a whole new diff, do new run defense, and it doesn't matter who's on the field. They didn't have Malik Collins and Jonathan Greenard, and they still play great run defense against Derrick Henry and the Titans. This is the game in which everybody learns Jonathan Greenard is Jonathan Gennard, but Gennard better be on the field. Yeah, no, he needs to be on the field. I, and, and, John, yeah, like D'Amico's touched on that this week. Like, that game in week two, that was a different team on both both sides. It was, But a very different Texans team. Zach Moss ran all over them that day, John. And and I, I like that you go back to week three. That, to me, in terms of just how you 
assess and handicap the Texans if you were just if you were looking at them purely like okay I need to make a prediction about how I think this team's going to do in such and such game I don't even look at the first two games of the year the Baltimore and Indianapolis games I don't even look at them <laughs> this season started from that stand the team that we're seeing now to me started in week three against Jacksonville and then it just became they they got their legs under them then they became a team that just played close games and and found ways to win They've been a little inconsistent over the last month or so, but they put themselves in a really good position. John, I'm curious, and we'll get to the mailbag here in a second. If you think they're going to shut down Jonathan Taylor and they've got C.J. Stroud healthy, why is it that as soon as I said, I mentioned optimism about the game, you're like, oh, no, oh, no. Because of the mustache. See, the mustache played too well against him. Who's the mustache? Gardner Minshew. That's oh, his Minshew. Name. Okay, yeah. Well, I, I think rookie of, yeah. year, the mustache. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I think his wallet some, is more glorious than his hair is more glorious. He's played some really good games against him. Not yeah. throwing five touchdown passes, but just enough to beat him, as he did in the first game. Anthony Richardson yeah. ran for two touchdowns, then he got hurt and left. Minshew comes off the bench and leads him to a decisive victory. Stroud threw for 384 yards, two touchdowns. No interceptions, triple-digit rating, and they still got hammered. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the dynamics. It was twenty-eight ten at halftime. Like, I, I the yardage stats are are tough to. It's it's tough to assess in a game that's so out of hand. I, I do know this, John. I remember being in the press box for that game in week two, and at the end of the game, coming over to Clint Sterner before we went down to go do the post game, and I said, I learned one thing in this game. C.J. Stroud's not the problem, <laughs> you know. Like they they got blown out by the Ravens in Week One. They got I mean it's close at halftime, but they got blown out in the second half. And in the, that Colts game, they they pretty much got blown out. I mean they were out of it for most of that afternoon. They they threatened a little bit in the second half, but couldn't get over the hump. But you could watch the game with your own eyes. That they forget about it, it was 384 yards. It could have been you know 250. Just watching the throws he made and watching how he read things and watching how he did didn't throw any interceptions. Didn't throw any interceptions for three more weeks after that. 